Hey moms, was your dinner last night the leftover chicken nuggets from your kid's try? Is your current idea of self-care closing the door when you pee? If the only chance you have for exercise is the squats you do when you pick up your kid's Legos, well then take a seat, mama. You're in the right place. I'm Corinne. And I'm Jess. And this is Mama Mama Bites. Hi, listeners. This is our conversation with Paige Smathers, who's a dietitian out of Salt Lake City and the owner of the private practice Positive Nutrition. She's a mom of two active kids and the host of the popular Health at Every Size and Intuitive Eating based podcast, Nutrition Matters. We think of her as one of the kindest voices in podcasting, so it especially meant a lot to us that she got real with us about the experience of podcasting, mothering, and discovering intuitive eating. May we all adopt some of Paige's gentle style, especially with ourselves. So without further ado, here's our chat with Paige. Thank you again, Paige, for coming on the Mama Bites podcast. And Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We're very excited mm-hmm. to have you. Um, and you know, we've been listening to your podcast and just want to ask, how are you? Uh, we've, we heard your recent episodes where you're taking a little break and we're excited, you know, bummed as listeners, but um, <laughs> excited as self-care advocates that uh, you were doing that for yourself and just wanted to ask how you're doing. Well, first of all, thank you. That's super nice of you. Um, yeah, I'm doing great. It, I haven't really missed um, having that on my to-do list, you know, yeah. although I love podcasting, it's just, it's just a lot where it's like, okay, gosh, got to get that done, you know, and I, I put this on myself, but um, yeah, it's just been nice to kind of have one list thing on my to-do list, but I do, I, I do have these creative juices like, ooh, I gotta, I'd love to do a series like that or, you know, and so I just feel like I'm not quite done with it, but it's been a nice break, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. How did you know it was time for a break? Um, well, I actually had something come up months ago that was like, possibly I would need to sort of clear my schedule for November and December. Mm. And so with that in mind, I was like, oh, I could, I could lighten my load with podcasting and I could do, you know, not take on new clients and I could just kind of simplify my schedule a little bit. And so I already had that sort of on my mind. And then that didn't end up happening for November and December, but I still kind of went for it because once I started thinking, ooh, I want to take a little break, um, I just kind of couldn't get it, couldn't get it out of my head. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I just, you know, there are fears about, okay, what will people think or what will my numbers do or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, will people still want to listen if I do come back or what if I decide I don't want to do it? Like, do I have permission? Have I given myself permission to like really explore this? And, you know, I just, I feel really at peace with like, there's a time and a season for different things and I don't need to always be, you know, I mean, it's great to podcast, you guys know, but it's also Mm -hmm. a lot of work and it's also sometimes a lot of, a lot to put yourself out there publicly. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not necessarily something that I just, I'm like, yeah, that is what I'm born to do. I just love that. It's more like, I feel like I need to do it. And 
and I started doing it before really a lot, you know, I don't know, not trying to say I was like the first, for sure I wasn't, but, um, but, but you're up there. (laughs) Before they seem to sort of like explode. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's all this stuff that kind of comes up about fears of what this means for me or my reputation or my business or whatever, but I just have to be like, "Mm, that's okay. Like what's important is me as a human being. Mm -hmm. And, um, everybody has seemed to be extremely respectful and really kind and encouraging about it. So it's been a good experience to be like, I don't need to just go, 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 you know? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's so great to hear. That's so great to hear. I was, I was really, really thinking about and wondering how you were experiencing this break. And I was, I was listening to, um, episode, uh, 139, um, a couple of days ago. And as I was listening to it, I was thinking about, um, maternity leaves. And, uh, I know this probably sounds, you know, really different than that, but I was really thinking about maybe where you were when you recorded your last episode and where you are on your break and, and how many times so many moms experience that, that sort of, um, portion into the break where they're like, uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I'm ready to go back. I don't know if mm. I want to go back. That, sort of that reevaluation period and, yes, yeah. um, and, and how chal- that, that in itself is its own process, right? Like just kind of unspooling, unraveling from, from pushing forward all the time it takes its own time. And then it's sort of that reevaluation process on top of that. Um, and so, well, and I think with maternity leave, there's so many more things that are tugging at your heart right. than <laughs> what I'm doing, you know, like that, that is so hard, such a difficult choice and can be, you know, it's kind of like a damned if you do, damned if you don't thing. Like you just feel guilty no matter what mm-hmm. kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. just, it's a tough, that is so tough. It's so tough. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't worked with a single client. I don't know about you. I haven't worked with a single client who's just, you know, like flown through it and hasn't reevaluated and hasn't like, you know, gone through a process of figuring out what is the best fit and mm-hmm. and and realizing that they didn't know what the best fit right. would be for them. Yeah. Like being surprised by that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and then temperament of your child makes a big difference oh in how goodness. you're able to handle it too. Like, mm-hmm. do they do they like the babysitter? Do you like the babysitter? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, do they cry for two hours when you leave for work? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's just it's so yeah, that's so hard. Heart rending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wrenching. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, um, this next question I have for you is a two-parter, really. Um, You know, eating disorders and the field has really um, expanded with so many different, like, treatment modalities. How did you decide to take uh, a positive approach? And secondarily, how did you find mindful and intuitive eating? How did you um, discover it? Yeah, so... um so I'm not the typical dietitian, I don't think, because um, I didn't, well, at least the typical dietitian in the eating disorder space. And what I mean by that is I, I know a lot of dietitians identify as like very type A and very perfectionist and very like, um, you know, that type of personality. Mm-hmm. So my 
my personality is, is kind of like, I'm definitely a hard worker and I'm motivated and I try my best, but I'm also like kind of just naturally, I, I think I just have this gift of being able to be um, in general, pretty kind to myself. And that's probably like due to, you know, really great parenting in a lot of ways. And so I, I don't want to like take too much credit, like, Oh, I'm so awesome. I think I just got really lucky with some good, um, you know, childhood experiences around who I am and my identity and my worth and all that. So, um, you know, I, I kind of came to intuitive eating intuitively. I always say that when I talk about my story around this is, you know, I was a typical teenager who kind of struggled with body image and food, but nothing, you know, super pathological. And, um, as I started studying nutrition in college, I just started to realize, oh, all these rules I thought were so important actually kind of aren't. And maybe what I need to do is just listen to my body better and just, you know, really try to tune in to what my body's telling me and try to um, honor my body and just try to respect the genetics I've been given and the body that I have and try to take good care of it and just let it be what it is. So I kind of came to that sort of on my own a little bit with, mm-hmm. you know, with the help of great professors and, and friends and, you know, just my own kind of approach and my own personality. And then as I started working as a dietitian, my second or third job um, into my career was an outpatient dietitian for a local hospital facility here in, in Salt Lake City. And, um, and I, so because I was taking on the outpatient role, you have to kind of be the catch-all for like everything, you know, so you mm-hmm. have to like know how to, you know, give nutrition recommendations for all kinds of conditions and um, even eating disorders, which, you know, looking back, it's like, well, it's a little scary to like do everything, but that's kind of the role that a dietitian in that setting plays. So mm. um, I picked up intuitive eating off the shelf in the hospital outpatient dietitian office that I took over and I read the book and I was like, oh, this is what kind of I feel like I've come to. Mm. And so that sort of, it was a really interesting thing to be like, oh, there's other dietitians who see it this way. I thought <laughs> I was the only one that was like, oh, yeah, like, it's not a big deal to eat a cookie. And just your relationship with food is the important part and how you approach it and how you talk to yourself. Like, I was already sort of practicing in that way, but I didn't really realize it was this actually, like, evidence-based, you know, book and also, like, all these research studies about it. I didn't really know that till later. Mm-hmm. And then um, I eventually started my private practice and, um, you know, just got more and more into the world of, of private practice and more like supervision and more connection with other dietitians, more conferences. And, um, and then, so, so yeah, that's kind of the intuitive eating realm. And then the mindfulness stuff actually has some pretty personal things for me, um, and, and pretty much where that like lands is I think I'm just sort of a naturally introspective person. I, I like to understand my thoughts. I like to question things. That's sort of how I, how I just kind of came into this world, I think. And, um, mindfulness just really speaks to me due to like the, some of the things that have happened in my personal life and some of the experiences that I've had. And again, when I found that as like a, I, I had heard of Buddhism before and like, I'm, it kind of turned me off. Just, I was like, I don't really want like religion being pushed on me. You know, I, it just felt like, Oh, I don't want your sort of theological or, um, 
metaphysical or existential beliefs put on me. Does that make sense? Sure, of course. I reacted a little bit to that, but Mm -hmm. I ended up connecting with um, Noah Rochetta, who I've put on workshops with, and the way he explains mindfulness and even Buddhism is just is pretty much, you know, secular. So he always starts off his podcast episodes with something that Dalai Lama said, which is don't use Buddhism to become a Buddhist, use it to become a better whatever you already are. And I just found that to be so non-threatening to me um, that I was able to just look into this whole realm of mindfulness and even Buddhism, but just from a secular standpoint mm-hmm. and kind of weave that into my own personal things going on in my life. Plus, you know, the work I do with clients um, and, and also just, I had been trained in acceptance and commitment therapy and had done a lot of work in that realm as well. And when I found mindfulness and just married that in with what I already knew from like a counseling and sort of psychology and like interpersonal standpoint, it was just like, oh, this is so cool. This is such a cool way of thinking that just works so well for my temperament, my experience and, and works frankly super well with um, my clients and, you know, in, in session activities and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. That's kind of a long answer, but... That's so. okay. That's perfect. That's okay. Um, I also love that just your evolution into the field truly has been intuitive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think this is actually kind of... I'm looking at Jess. I, I think it's uh, a, a different sort of experience to hear someone's experience of coming intuitive to intuitive eating intuitively. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, it's such an interesting it's such an interesting thing um it's very cool and 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 having that ability to to help bring clients there as well mm-hmm. and even though it might not be super intuitive for them really really it sounds like wholeheartedly believing in it and you know the cool thing about picking up intuitive eating i heard in your story was that it was more affirming it wasn't mind blowing mm-hmm. it was affirming you already had that oh, going yeah. for you. Yeah. It was like, oh, good. I'm not the only one. <laughs> there are other people. I like. I, I kind of felt like, wow, I'm this rogue dietitian. And then I realized, oh, it, like I am definitely not as like uh, unique or what I'm like creative as I thought I was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You are. You're just somebody else. Evelyn, <laughs> truly, <laughs> Elise Reich just got to it first. That's all. And that's yeah, how I found it. They've, they've done such a great job with that book. And definitely the new edition is different than that mm, yeah. edition mm-hmm. that I looked yeah. up. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, that's another kind of interesting thing is, uh, you know, their, their evolution through, you know, 1995 or whenever, when they first published and now and then even mine I, I think I've evolved a ton over the last three and a half years of just podcasting yeah, yeah. I bet you guys will totally relate but you you can't do this work of sitting down with really cool people doing really cool work and talking to them about what they've learned in their process and their story you can't do that all the time in your work and, and in podcasting and not change and evolve and learn and like do things differently and get better, you know? Yes. So sometimes yes. people like listeners will be like, well, why did you say that early on? Or why, you know, like, why have you changed? Or 
I'm so offended about something you said on episode 30 or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, you know, I reserve the right to learn and get better. And evolve, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, the process shapes you, for sure. Absolutely. And the field is changing so quickly, too. Mm. Thank goodness. That's a good thing. But it is evolving so quickly that I think that if I was recording my conversations from three years ago, Mm -hmm. even just three years ago, still wholeheartedly believing in the essential values that I still believe in, just how I would talk about them would be different. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, kind of a scary thought. Like, what about three years from now? Are we going to cringe and be like, ooh. Right. Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm just assuming. I think that segues us perfectly into how you would define mindful eating and self-care and how how that evolved and changed that definition around motherhood for you. Oh, wow. <laughs> Okay, so I'm really long-winded, so stop me if you're like, stop talking. So um, how would I define mindful eating? So I actually don't really like defining mindful eating because it always sounds like a diet. And what I mean by that is anytime you say, well, mindful eating is this, then it creates this checklist in our heads or even, you know, someone might write it down. And be like, mm-hmm. oh, well, then if I'm being mindful, mm-hmm. let me translate that. to like, if I'm being good, mm-hmm. then I'm doing these things. And if I'm not doing these things, then therefore I'm bad, right? Yeah. So I actually think mindfulness in general is a really tough thing to define because the minute you put words to it, you lose it. You, it, it, you lose the real essence of what it is. So words are hard, first of all. And second of all, um, like, here's an example. So mindfulness, one, one definition of, that I think of with mindfulness is that mindfulness is about uh, freedom from habitual reactivity, meaning, you know, there's stimulus and response in our life. And if we can create a gap, a mindful gap in between stimulus and response, and we can assess our feelings and our environment and our emotions and what we need, um, whatever else is relevant to the situation, we can then respond in a way that's skillful and that makes sense and that, you know, is beneficial for us. Um, but the minute you use that definition for mindfulness, then it becomes, for you know, especially my clients, that they're, they tend to be pretty rigid and pretty rule-based and pretty, like, gung-ho, hardworking, mm-hmm. um, really, really dedicated and motivated. And so sometimes when you define terms like, well, this is what this means, then people are like, well, then every single time I make a decision in my life, I need to create a gap. And if I don't, then I'm doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's skillful to not make a gap and to be a bit more reactive, right? So mm-hmm. it's not like reactivity is bad. So do you see what I mean where it's like it gets tricky to define the, the term mindfulness? Absolutely. Because it can bring in all this like morality stuff and this rigidity. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, mindful eating to me is just one way that you can practice mindfulness in general. Mm-hmm. And to me, what that is, is that knowing yourself well enough, your thoughts and your connection to your body and your values and what's important to you in your life, knowing all of that well enough to be able to make choices um, that are gentle and kind and in your best interest and um 
yeah, that's kind of that's how, kind of how I define mindfulness, maybe in general. Mm. And then with food, you know, just being able to pause and recognize what you need and connect to your body, and to be gentle with yourself. But that doesn't always look perfect either. Would maybe be how I how I look at mindfulness. I think a lot of people, when they're new to mindful eating or they're new to this concept of mindfulness, it's just another way of attaching whether or not you're doing something right or wrong with food. Yep. And um, even sometimes books about mindful eating are really prescriptive and really sort of like shoulds and shouldn't. And I just think that that's missing the entire essence of mindfulness. Um, yes. And so I think mm-hmm. I encourage my clients to go deeper with that. You know, like it's not about sitting down without distraction and tasting every bite and never ever eating in front of the TV or in your car. That's, that's not necessarily skillful for you. It might be sometimes, but it might not always be, you know, right. so it's this really big concept to explore. Um, does that all make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I sort of like want to hijack the moment super selfishly for a moment that, um, that, Jess and I are are working on shopping our book that we've written and we are so firmly in your camp and and some of the feedback we're getting is frustrating because it's not prescriptive enough. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we're really inviting people to really truly honor where they are, which is real mindfulness, right? Mm -hmm. And um, it's not it's not prescriptive enough or it's in or that people it's not like three easy steps right right (laughs) it's not it's not the bullet the bulleted list that people are looking for because it's as two therapists as people you know and as as i'm sure you can relate as a person who's in the field sitting with clients every day or every other day we know what's realistic and what's not and and the things that aren't that are not our diets all over again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So Yeah, and it's not trendy or in vogue to be dieting right now. So, you know, it's just masqueraded as mindfulness now. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, yes. yeah, this, this whole, I mean, I love mindfulness, but it's also like it's, there's a reason that me and Noah, when we've done our workshops, like there's a reason we need an entire day to even explore what this word means. Because right. It, it it's so easy to just be like w- just a new diet disguised with mindfulness. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> there there's so many of them are disguised as well. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, your other question was how this relates to motherhood. Did yes. you want me to go there? If if you can, that's great. Yeah. Sure. Um so so I have two daughters, ages four and six. Mm. And yeah, I have a three and a six-year-old. <laughs> yeah, they're so fun. Mm. They're so fun. This is such a fun. These are such fun ages. I kind of want to pause time for a bit. They're so sweet, and mm-hmm. wonderful, and best friends. It's the best. Mm-hmm. I know it'll all change. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so how this all relates to mindful or to to motherhood for me is uh, less about like the mindful eating stuff. Um, more just mindfulness for me has been such a cool tool for motherhood specifically. Um, my kids are, are rowdy and a little bit hard and really infuriating a lot of times. Like just straight up honest talk here. Like I love hard. it. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> 
yeah, like really challenge me and like really highlight any type of like flaw I have. So I'm sure anyone who's a parent can get that. It's just mm-hmm. like, wow, I didn't know I had that problem until you came around and helped me see that. Thank you very much. I didn't know I could Um, get that angry about something so small. I didn't know I could feel such rage that my body is like shaking and then feel so much guilt that like what is wrong with me as a four-year-old? Page. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Preach. Preach. Yeah, totally. So for me, it's like, I just the tools of being able to like observe my thoughts non-judgmentally and be like, oh yeah, like that right there, what you're feeling, that's anger. You know what anger feels like because this is the sensation in your body and anger is nothing to be afraid of. Like you can breathe through it. It will go away. Everything's impermanent. Like you're okay. Uh, lots of other moms have felt this way. You're not alone. Like all of these tools and ideas behind mindfulness of like this is part of life just because it's hard doesn't mean you're doing something wrong like you're gentle you can be gentle with yourself and compassionate and nothing ever lasts the good times the hard times um and just just knowing having this foundation and in mindfulness I think is just so helpful on such a practical level when you know for me motherhood is like the most amazing highs and like more love than I've ever known is even possible and more just like, I don't even know how to, yeah, just like, I just love them so much. I want to squeeze them and like eat them, you know, mm-hmm. like they're the best, but mm-hmm. also I just want to run away sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it's so much to deal with. It's like highest highs and lowest, lowest lows. And I know that's probably totally a cliche, but, um, there's no other way to put it. Understanding mm-hmm. myself better helps me understand that all of that's okay and that it doesn't need judgment and that, you know, just those skills and tools of like, I can feel this way and I can get through it. And I don't, the the same me that was me five minutes ago, super angry at my kids, like doesn't need to be the me that I am now, you know, Mm -hmm. and just kind of that type of foundation has been really cool and really helpful for me. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Me too. I love that. Yeah. Um, kind of on that note, what wisdom would you pass on to moms out there around uh, eating and also self-care? Okay. Well, <laughs> I'd, say, I'd say like right after you have a baby, like just just start on the right track where, or even, I mean, obviously during pregnancy, but like. For me, right after having a baby, I was like, would I rather eat right now or sleep? I will always mm. take sleep because I'm so freaking tired and mm-hmm. I'm up all night and whatever. You feel all crazy, like you're just off the schedule and just <laughs> out of your mind a little bit. And I'd say, like, for me, and I know everybody's different, so it's tough to give advice because it depends on people's situations and blah, 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 all the things. But just eat regularly, you know? Like, just make some time to put food on a plate that feels satisfying and nourishing and um, positive for you. Set some time that, you know, at least probably most people need to eat about four times a day-ish, plus or minus, you know. Mm-hmm. Set some time aside for yourself to put food on a plate, to sit down and to eat it regularly throughout the day. Um, this whole saving, you know, calories for the end of the day or like, 
nip, like just picking at things throughout the day because you don't deserve, you know, a real meal or you're too busy. Like none of that. You no. gotta, you gotta sit down and take care of yourself. And I think food is the one thing that we have to do so many times a day, every single day. That is this constant reminder of our mortality, of our need for things outside of ourselves to keep us alive and to keep us functioning. And, you know, when you start to think about kind of the symbolism of food and and what it represents, it's, it's actually pretty cool. Like, our bodies don't let us get away with us not caring for them. It's <laughs> one of those big ways that we're reminded of our, of our needs. And if we can get better at sitting down and eating regular meals and caring for our body and nourishing our body, it's pretty cool to think about how those skills translate into other areas of self-care that totally relate to motherhood where it's like, no, I, I recognize that right now I need, you know, to be by myself and I'm just going to tell my partner or spouse, whatever, like I need a break. And I know that because I know myself well enough and I'm caring for myself well enough to know that it's, I don't need sleep right now. I don't need food. I don't need, you know, other areas of my needs are met and, and I recognize what I need and I'm able to advocate for that because I'm at a baseline caring for myself well. So self-care is kind of a trendy term that maybe is annoying to people at this point, but <laughs> really, really, if you're having a hard day, if you're not able to like keep it together, if you're feeling super overwhelmed, if, if you're having a hard mothering day, parenting day, what I would say is like, look first at some of the basics, like how's your sleep, how's your food, how's your water, how's your, you know, stress management, or like, do you need to breathe, that kind of stuff. And if all of that is, you can honestly say like, no, that's all in here and I'm doing well, like then maybe look at these other things. But most of the time, nine times out of 10, if you look at that stuff, you're like, oh yeah, of course I'm having a bad day. I didn't eat very much last night, or mm -hmm. I didn't eat enough lunch, or I wasn't able to grab lunch today. So take care of yourself. You're worth it. Makes mm -hmm. life easier. And it's such a cool way to learn more about yourself in general, too. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love the idea of going back to basics. I think <clears throat> it just reminds me a little bit, too, of, um, you know, I'm not great with plants, but, you know, I, ha I have this plant and I went to the nursery and, like, they went through, like, the whole checklist, right? Like, how much light is it getting? What did you feed it? Like, have you given it fertilizer? Did you give it more soil? You know, and I sort of kind of relate that back to, like, going back to basics for ourselves like we don't really think like the care and feeding of of the human body like what does it need mm -hmm. has it had fresh air like yeah. <laughs> right. Right. right 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 and most of the time it makes sense of like with your plant that's such a cool analogy it's like oh well maybe it's sick because it got too much water and mm -hmm. but then with us we're like oh what have I done? I'm such a failure. Why am I the worst person ever? Mm -hmm. But if you really look at it, it's like, well, you didn't sleep last night. Or yeah. like, you haven't had adequate nutrition <laughs> right. for who knows how long. Mm -hmm. Right, right. It's yeah, fun. yeah. And in that sort of new mom state or new parent state or even like not even new, you know, just that mm -hmm. how used to we can get to backburnering ourselves and how out of touch we can continuously become with those things that, that like you said, when, you know, when we go back to the basics, it's usually one of those basics. Literally, as we were sitting down, putting our headsets on, I turned to Jess and I said, 
I found this, I just found out about this uh, study that was done of, in terms of the relationship between anger and lack of sleep. <laughs> she was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> 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 but we're, okay. when we're in those moments where, you know, we can feel ourselves flying off the handle at our kids and judging ourselves for it, right? It's hard to, to tune into like, oh, no, I got four hours of sleep mm. last night or I got six hours or eight hours last night, but the night before I got way fewer than that. And even our expectations of how fast our body should turn it around too. Mm -hmm. Like I got, I got enough sleep last night versus the rest of the month that I didn't. Yeah. So why am I not magically happy? Right. <laughs> this doesn't work. I'm going back to three hours a night. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, that's another thing, if you don't mind, I'll just add that mindfulness has taught me is that there's there's often kind of a, a natural thing that we're going to feel given an event that happens. So this example of, um, how about this? So you didn't get enough sleep and you were really crabby with your kids, okay? So let's say that's the situation. So the natural like pain or discomfort or suffering that you're going to experience as a result of that is you're going to feel you're you're tired you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed like life is hard like yeah like there that's just part of life and mm -hmm. you're going to feel that way and that's okay but then there's this other thing this other layer that we put onto ourselves of like these stories we tell ourselves mm -hmm. about what this means about who we are and we go down that shame spiral and we're like well then I'm a terrible mom, I'm worthless, like I knew I couldn't do this, and mm -hmm. you know, what am I doing, I'm messing up my kids, you know, you start mm -hmm. kind of going down this whole path, and for me, in my head, what, what I found really helpful as sort of a mindfulness practice when I'm feeling a little, um, what's the right word, kind of activated, mm -hmm. you you can kind of separate, like, okay, what's the natural part of what I'm going through, like, what's unavoidable and just part of this process, like, what what can I not avoid? Mm -hmm. Okay, tiredness, you know, overwhelm, um, reactivity. Like yeah, like I yelled at my kids or whatever. That that happened. Okay, but what can I? What's in my control? And or what is something that I'm choosing to add on to what I'm already going through that I don't necessarily need to buy into or believe or do? And so often it's like it's just such a relief to be like oh. I can opt out of the shame spiral. Mm -hmm. I can opt out of the story that I'm a worthless mom. Like mm -hmm. I, I can choose to just feel what it is that's just real and natural here and not add on to it. Mm -hmm. And so I, I often kind of go through that in my head of like, what's natural and expected in this situation? And then what am I kind of doing on top of that? Yes. Yes. I, I, um, I often talk about clients uh, with clients about the distinction between pain and suffering. And mm -hmm. that's really what I hear you saying that pain is inherent to life and that this is the suffering that that story that we tell ourselves can, can yeah. reinforce. And, and Jess is reminding me of the story that I was telling her before we started <laughs> about something that the way I was telling myself that I had handled something. She was reminding me of of, of suffering. 
in that story. We have some choices. We have some choices. <laughs> so uh, at the risk of sounding like we're taking an abrupt turn, um, we have a fun question. It's one of our favorite questions. Um, and we really wholeheartedly believe that all foods fit and um, are for everyone. But we do feel like that there might be some foods that might be a little bit more geared towards kids. And we were wondering, Paige, what your favorite kid food is. My favorite kid food? Mm -hmm. Like my age kids? Uh, um, <laughs> it could be something from your childhood. It could be something your kids have that, you know, again, this is sort of a hard question for people, I feel like, in our field because we do believe that all foods fit. So it's kind of like, well... I guess maybe fruit roll-ups. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you see what I mean? Like maybe maybe they're not always marketed towards adults. Um, gotcha. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like it's funny because I was raised in a house that we didn't really do kid food, and I don't really do kid food either. Like hmm. I don't. Not that that not that that's like a superiority thing. It's just like I just feed my kids like I feed myself. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm, I'm even trying to like rack my head. You know, I really loved gushers back in the day. <laughs> I loved that, like, that, there like, it gush is. In your mouth, um, good stuff. <laughs> there it is. I haven't even thought about a gusher in forever. Right, <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's a great one. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness, gushers! <laughs> I haven't thought about that. Yeah, me either. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just to wrap up, what what are you currently working on, and where can people find you? I'm, I was actually thinking this morning, like, wow, I feel like I don't have any huge projects right now, which is kind of cool. Um, but I, so for, for those who maybe don't know me and what I do, um, so my practice is in Salt Lake City. I see clients, you know, individually, one-on-one -on -one in my office. And then um, I also run groups and, in person. And then I have, you know, a, a podcast, so I, I reach people um, more publicly there. And then I also released an online course a couple months ago called Positive Nutrition 101. And this is a course that I co-teach with Jesse Hoffman, um, who has a PhD in nutritional sciences and is about to get her RD credential too. Mm -hmm. And we team teach it. And basically what we're doing is we're breaking down the most important parts of nutrition science without the gimmicks, without the typical like diety rhetoric. So for me and my journey, and I told you guys this, that part of what was so helpful for me was learning about the science where I was able to reject diet culture because I knew it was not even founded, you know, not even grounded in good science. So that's what the course does. We like walk you through, uh, um, you know, things, concepts like macronutrients and metabolism and gut health and um, all kinds of different topics within the realm of nutrition and we just kind of bring it down to earth, help you understand what, like how to kind of wade through facts versus fiction with nutrition. Because as we all know, it's a pretty, um, it's a field that's pretty saturated with some pretty bad pseudoscience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so my plan is to do more courses kind of geared towards different populations. So like positive nutrition for new moms or like positive nutrition for athletes, positive nutrition for X, Y, or Z. So that's kind of kind of where I'm hoping to go from here. Building online courses is 
a really big undertaking and it really overwhelms me. So I don't know when I'll get back into that gear, but that's kind of what I'm, what I'm seeing and envisioning for the future, sort of like an online academy of all kinds of different courses that people can take depending on their own situation. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, and that's all just on my website, which is positive-nutrition.com. And um, also have a podcast there and I blog a little bit there too. So yeah. That's where people can find me. Wow. And then I'm on social media at Pace Matters RD. And that's, I usually just do Instagram and kind of Facebook, but I really don't like Facebook. So mm -hmm. mostly just Instagram. Mm -hmm. That sounds amazing. Awesome. That sounds very cool. I would, uh, for our listeners, I would put a special shout out to. Um, one of my favorite episodes, or actually two of my favorite episodes, are the episodes on uh, Nutrition Matters from a while ago that you did with Anna Lutz about feeding kids. Oh, yeah. And yeah, really, really good one. Yeah, yeah. And and sort of even knowing like a lot of a lot of the stuff, um, I remember Anna saying like one particular thing about feeding a child who's a little on the anxious side, and I was like, oh, that's a good thing. I don't have to do that particular thing and then like three days later I was like no I have to do this <laughs> and so I was just feeling like especially grateful for that episode and so uh, and I feel like a lot of our moms struggle with how to feed their kids mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. it's so hard it is so hard it is so hard well, Paige, this is wonderful. Thank you very much. Yeah, for, thank you for making the time thank for you us. So much. Yeah, this was so great to speak with you both, and um, I'm just super honored to have been on the podcast. So thank you for having me. So that's it, moms. That's the last bite for today. But in case you're hungry for more, head on over to the Mama Bites website. That's M O M M A Mama Bites website, and stream more of our podcasts. Or find them anywhere that you find your podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play. And don't forget to stop by Instagram. And definitely come on by our Facebook group, The Mama Bites Lunch Table. We'd love to have you there. And until we meet again next time, remember, motherhood is a long journey. Don't forget to pack some snacks.